0: Welcome everybody to another episode of Fresh from the Hill inside stories of noteworthy Cornellians. I am here today with John Rawlins, the third class of 2006 human ecology, and john is going to be our next host for fresh from the hill, which is going to be a special partnership with Seba, the Cornell Black Alumni Association. So let's just jump right into it, john, I, I want to know a little bit more about kind of where you grew up what your background is and what brought you to Cornell.
1: Thank you, Amanda. I am excited to be a part of this series and to um, be hosting this next season, you know, specifically around amplifying our Black alumni voices. I'm really excited and grateful for it. So my journey is, you know, I grew up in the D.C. area, um, you know, born and raised there. And, you know, just kind of being in that environment um, in school, I was always, I thought I I wanted to be a lawyer. And so my first, I guess, interaction with Cornell was the fact that I got a brochure for the ILR school. And that actually made me consider Cornell as an option. Um, Further along, as I was doing my research, there was a day where uh, my guidance counselor in high school had a visitor, a friend of hers, who had to be someone who was traveling for Cornell at the time um, and visiting, you know, different schools in our area, but specifically was from the College of Human Ecology. So she basically said, I want you to meet with a friend of mine because I think, you know, you would connect well with her. And I had two folks that I loved before that attended Cornell, like immediately who kind of graduated high school before I did. So I had this conversation with her, and she basically convinced me to go to the College of Human Ecology And I got in, and I actually didn't believe that I had gotten in, um, partially because it was... The the funny part is I I found out someone in the room. I applied for a scholarship. Um, At the time, they were the... um, Well, it's been called the Washington Metro Scholars. And they gave me a full tuition grant to attend Cornell. When they called me and told me that I had not received... My actual admission, accept or my acceptance letter from Cornell yet. So I thought it could have been a mistake that you know. I just thought it wasn't necessarily possible. But two days later, the the, the huge envelope came, and um and so I kind of blindly took because I never visited. I blindly. Uh, left D.C. and went to uh, Ithaca for the pre-freshman summer program. So June of 2002 was the first, I guess, official semester at Cornell that summer before my uh, official first year.
0: Wow, that is a great story. I love the surprise of you hadn't gotten your acceptance letter yet. I'm like, oh, well, actually, you got <laughs> it. <laughs> you got a scholarship. Right, back. That- So I see that you have a robust background working in higher education. Can you talk a little bit more about your professional journey and what inspired you to pursue a career in higher ed?
1: So, you know, funny enough, it actually was being a student at Cornell and the you know, the tons of resources and mentors that I had while I was there. Um, my pre freshman summer program um, is where I got to the staff and the administrators that worked in the Office of Minority Educational Affairs, is what it was called at the time, um, namely Melinda Smith, Ray Dalton, um, people who I still am in very much in contact with and have great relationships with. And I, I saw the work that they were doing. Um, interacting with my own um, academic advisor, my college advisor, Verdeen Lee, out of Human Ecology. And and seeing that work, I think I naturally fell into, even as a student leader, you know, how can I help support my colleagues? What are the things that I can do, um, you know, to be that person that helps us all to succeed. And so when I was graduating, it was actually Melinda Smith who was supervising me. I, funny enough, I, I was in the pre-freshman summer program and I worked for the program for three years. And so my last summer working for the program was the summer after I graduated. And Melinda was my supervisor. And she said, have you, you know, secured any job yet? I said, not yet. I'm still looking, but I know that I don't want to go home. And so Melinda said that she knew of an interim position at Ithaca College right across the way. They were looking for a interim uh, assistant director in their Office of Multicultural Affairs. And I, you know, she thought I should apply for it. And I didn't necessarily fully see it at first, but I, you know, I said, I'll give it a try. Of course, if she's going to make that suggestion, let me at least see what it's all about. So I remember towards the end of that pre-freshman summer program, going to Ithaca College and interviewing with the supervisor at the time. And we connected. We connected rather well. And what was supposed to be a 10-month interim appointment turned into eight and a half years (laughs) at Ithaca College. Um, Of course, the interim title went away after a while, um, but I loved it. I I fell in love with the work I fell in love with the students that I was working with, the opportunities that I was able to present and bring to campus and bring to the students that I was working with. Um, And even sometimes because they're so close, the collaborations that I was able to garner between Ithaca College and Cornell students, specifically the communities of color at both institutions, and yeah, I really haven't looked back. Um, my my journey has taken me even the one the was a year and a half, a little over a year and a half that I worked for um, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated our headquarters. It was still a student affairs role that I took at the um, corporate headquarters. But I have really the last. Fourteen going on fifteen years has been in higher education, supporting students of color, specifically looking at um, you know academic achievement, social um, you know management and success, and how these students get acclimated and feel supported. But then also, how do they find agency in their experience so that they're able to impact the campus you know as they're there and even afterwards? So it's it's been a great journey um something that i again didn't necessarily think about before um it's a far dream from what i thought i wanted to do in terms of being a lawyer but i have not regretted this decision a day since i've been in this field
0: yeah it sounds like it's been a really rewarding experience for you and i i too work in higher ed in a different capacity obviously but you know i can relate as to how you know impactful and how meaningful it can feel to to work for a higher ed institution oh yeah yeah switching gears a little bit let's talk about SEBA the Cornell Black Alumni Association I first want to know how you found out about SEBA and then how you became involved
1: so it's, I feel like everything has a, a very interesting or funny story. So this was literally, what, two weekends after I graduated. So this is the summer of 2006. Again, I've been hired to work for the pre-freshman summer program. I came back to Ithaca the Saturday night before our training was supposed to start on Sunday. And that was the same weekend as Cornell Reunion and SEBA's Reunion. Now, I had met certain alumni before, um, but I didn't necessarily know about this larger body of alumni. And again, Melinda Smith. She said she called me on the phone. She said, "Hey, where are you?" I said, "Oh, I'm just you know hanging out at a friend's apartment." She said, "Well, come to Ujima." And I said, "Well, why am I coming to Ujima? It is a dead weekend. Like no one's here. Everyone's gone." She said, "Trust me and come to Ujima." So I go to Ujima, and there are hundreds of Black alumni walking around the building. They're looking at old yearbooks. They're reminiscing. And I it blew my mind. Said, what is this? You know, so she told me more about the organization. Um, it would be a couple of years years um, after that. Of course, our next reunion because I lived up there um, it was easy for me to go back and forth and you know just kind of peek in on some events um, but it wasn't until 2012 where I started to actually get involved um, my, my first way of getting involved was I suggested a um, certain group, um, and this is funny because I think most folks who have ever attended reunion, at least in the last five years, will know what group I'm talking about. But I had seen the brown skin band. Oh, yeah. At an, uh, at an event. <laughs> I <laughs> had seen the brown skin <laughs> band at, and I saw them at an event. And I remember they were looking for, you know, some entertainment for the Seba dinner. I think it was 2012. And I said I, so I contacted the chairs. I said, hey. I know this incredible group. I I brought them to Ithaca College at that point because they're just so good. I said, I really think the organization would enjoy them. And that was like my first way of getting involved. I served on reunion committees after that. And then in 2016, when there was a vacancy for the vice president of programming for the organization, a couple of people reached out to me and said that they thought I should, you know, apply and, and try to, you know, take on that position um, especially because of my programming background in higher ed, and I did, um, and that was a great opportunity to really start to see the inner workings of the organization. And two years later, um, when it was time to um, think about, you know, running again as a vice president, um, I was encouraged by some folks to, you know, think about really taking the helm and and, and taking the president's role. And I ran unopposed and have been the president since June of 2018, rounding out the last few months here of my uh, current term.
0: That's awesome. And uh, speaking of programming, SEBA has offered some really amazing programming during the pandemic and before. Um, From the reunion racial justice teach-in to how COVID-19 has disproportionately affected African Americans and countless other amazing programs. Can you talk about some of the programming that you're most proud of or even just anything that you've done with SEBA that, you know, you really, really stuck with you?
1: Absolutely. I mean, one thing that actually, while I was still the vice president of programming, you know, we were a part of the group that helped to put together that um, event in D.C. um, after the opening of the National Museum of African American History and Culture, the Smithsonian. And just to see how that took shape, you know, I remember in a meeting folks saying, well, let's do it on a Wednesday night. And I said, well let me put this out there for you. said a lot of black alumni are excited about the prospect of doing something there. So if we do it on a weekend, people are going to travel from near and far. And I think there was a little apprehension at first because, you know, it was like, well, do we really think people are going to travel from near and far? And they did, and they actually did. It was a humongous event. Um, You know, we were able to um, host the after party uh, at the Marriott that night, but just to see everyone there was, it was amazing to me. And, 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 was a different way for us to engage um, that we had engaged previously because of the meaning of the the actual museum to our culture, and then also to know so many um, ties to Cornell that are in the museum. So that's one. And then, of course, you know, like you mentioned, the turn in March really presented a challenge to us because our organization has been pretty, um, you know, it has worked really hard to, keep our communities together, even when we're not physically together. So, you know, we have, of course, our reunion and homecoming are our two biggest events where all, you know, members and Black alumni come. And outside of that, we do a lot of regional programming. Well, of course, when COVID comes around, all of that is halted. All of that is stopped. And, you know, the board and I decided, well, let's, we have to do something to keep folks together. And I remember I was on the phone with our secretary, Shannon Kohal, and you know, it was a Sunday night. I think it was about six o'clock here. So it was nine o'clock on the East Coast. And Shannon and I said, you know what? Let's just do a kind of, you know, maybe a Zoom gathering. We can, you know, almost like a happy hour. We'll have some games, you know, just to get people together because this, this pandemic had really just taken shape and shut everything down and we put the we put a little blurb out there and put a registration link out there and on a sunday night in march within i think 30 minutes we had about 45 to 50 people register and i said we are On to something. And so we've done these monthly. Um, Early on, we were doing them twice a month. But, you know, folks have been joining us and having a great time connecting in ways which we haven't. We haven't necessarily, on a regular basis, had the opportunity to gather our alumni from across the country and around the world. But this gives us that opportunity. Um, Our resident DJ, DJ Third Degree Chavez Carter, who does a lot of the DJing of our on-campus events, him and I worked together to figure out how he could be a part of it. And he DJs every single virtual unity hour that we do. And I'm gonna tell you something, Amanda, it's funny to me to watch our alumni literally dancing and partying on Zoom until 12, 31 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> you know, back on the East Coast. It's an amazing, but I think for me, the the, the biggest reason why I decided to do it, and why the board we came together around this was because, you know, as Cornelians across the board, we are leaders in our field. We are leaders in our community. We do a lot of work to support the individuals that are around us, and I and I truly believe that that you know that is the same for our Cornell Black alumni, if not even more so. And with everything that was going on in the pandemic. I, found that all of us in some way, shape, or form are, you know, working to manage this community, working to take care of these folks, making sure that everyone else is okay. And I wanted us to have a time where we could just come together and relax and chill out and support one another in that way. And people really have taken a hold to that vision. Um, You know, we have upwards of 100 folks each week, if not more. Um, Like I said, we do, we had some really fun trivia games um, and had some really interesting discussions, which have led to some of the other programs that you mentioned earlier. And for me, it's a great way in this new environment, this new space that we're all in, it's a great way for us to see that we can stay connected. So, you know, even when, the pandemic subsides, everything is opened back up, you know, in in safe ways. We plan to continue to do this kind of programming because now we know that we can and that our folks truly do enjoy it and enjoy that connection and being in community with one another.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I really have to commend you all because it's just been, you've done such amazing programming and ways of connecting people. And I think that you mentioned to me when we were Speaking offline, that you know, so other Black alumni associations from different universities come to you to, to talk to you to say, Wow, you're really doing something right. Can I get advice from you? And I see it in, in the work that I do and working with young alumni that you all are, are really doing something right and um, you're celebrating an anniversary. In well, when this goes yes. live, you'll be celebrating your yes. 45th anniversary.
1: 45th anniversary as an organization which is which is truly exciting I mean this was the idea and the brainchild of five alumni and it has grown so much over the years and so 45 years later um, to still be a strong organization a strong body and a strong community is amazing and like you said um, we have been, I know as president, I have, and even previous presidents, we've been contacted by a lot of different organizations, a lot of different alumni of their institutions who either don't have an alumni, a Black alumni organization at all, or who are looking to strengthen and develop what they do have, and they see Siba as a model. I don't think there are many other Black alumni associations. I believe there's one, and I won't mention their name because we're Cornelians, but uh, I think there's only one that may precede us in terms of their existence. But, you know, Siba has definitely set a standard um, across the country and around the world. And I think that's, of course, just part of who we are as Cornelians. And so I'm excited to, uh, you know, really kick off the fifth year.
0: Yeah. And uh, I think that that's a good place to wrap up because we'll be talking a lot. Well, I won't be in, involved in the conversations. I'm always just the person who kicks off the series and then I hand it over to the host, which is you, but you'll be talking a lot about SEBA and the history and just uh, really, you know, our prominent black alumni. And I'm really excited to hear the stories and to hear from SEBA members. And it's it's gonna be a really great series. So. Uh, Thanks so much for joining me tonight, John. It was really great to chat with you.
1: you, Amanda. I'm looking forward to engaging with our folks and really sharing and amplifying our Black voices at Cornell.
0: Absolutely, same here. And as always, Fresh From the Hill music was written, produced, and recorded by Kia Albertson Rogers, class of 2013. And you can contact him at koa3 at cornell.edu. And to learn more about Cornell Young Alumni Programs, the podcast, how you can stay involved, visit our website at alumni.cornell.edu slash youngalumni.